0: Hey guys and girls, and welcome to the Extended Bench Podcast. My name's Christian, and as always, on the other side of the desk is my mate Matt. Matt, how you doing today, buddy?
1: Good. I'm excited. We get to talk keepers.
0: This is is one of my favourite podcasts every single year. So it's our Keeper League Special, annual Keeper League Special, I should say now. And what we want to do is, a key thing with Keeper Leagues, is heading into the season, if this isn't your first roll of the dice you're looking at your top-up drafts. Mm -hmm. So you're looking at... uh, So you've already probably nominated your keepers by now or you're only a few days away from doing that and you're looking at who you want to take to top up your lists. Now, a big factor in that is, of course, the draftees from the previous year. So you're probably all out there thinking, how should we be ranking these guys? Where should we be taking them in a draft? So what Matt and I wanted to do is we've sat down, we've constructed our list of the top five, 15 draftees from last year from a fantasy keeper point of view. These are the guys that you should absolutely be targeting in your leagues.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we've done that individually, and mm-hmm. then we've combined them together. Um, you gave them some some scoring, yeah. some, some rankings, and then we combined the rankings, came up with a list... Uh, we actually ended up with a top 16 because we couldn't split a couple.
0: <laughs> there, there were a couple of uh, of ties in there.
1: And a few honourable mentions. So we'll work through that uh, reverse order.
0: Yep. Because we, we, uh, well, we, we thought about going, you know, 1 to 15. But realistically, we all know who's sort of the top, you know, 1 through 5, maybe even top 6 are. Maybe you they've even got a completely locked-in order as well. So there, there's no real surprise to it. So I think if we do, um, you know, 15 through to 1... You know, it'll just be, we'll spend a bit more time going through those guys at the back end of the draft yeah. who people need to focus on because they will slide a little bit and they could be the real gems that you find in your Keeper Top Ups. So, should we just start with a few of the honourable mentions?
1: Absolutely. Let's do it. So, um, off the top, we have uh, we had four honourable mentions. Mm-hmm. Will Day, uh, Jackson Mead, I think it is.
0: Jackson Mead, correct.
1: Um Buderick who I have no uh, yeah. idea what his yeah. first name is.
0: Young, slightly more mature Buderik from Gold Coast. Yep.
1: And uh, Jeremy Sharp.
0: Yeah. So that's four players who didn't quite make our list, but they, in deeper keeper leagues, so for particularly deep keeper leagues mm-hmm. where you you have a lot of keepers or you have a lot yeah. of... Uh, a large team size, yep. large list size. So we're
1: talking uh, dynasty leagues and mm. keeper leagues that are closer to dynasty than true keepers, really. Absolutely,
0: where you're looking at at least, you know, 20 to 24 maybe even keepers with team lists upwards of 30 plus, realistically. Yep. Um, but these guys are people that you should be targeting. So um, in particular, players like, you know, Jackson Mead who did incredibly well at under 18 level he averaged very well so what was he was averaging 106 points at the under 18 championships last year um, and I think he also did particularly well in the, uh, the Sandful Reserves. I
1: 106 per 120 minutes.
0: Yeah, 106... Sorry, 106 per um, uh, 120 minutes with 88 as his average. Yeah. So when he was on the ground, he was scoring particularly
1: Absolutely. well. Absolutely. And then uh, he played in the Sandful Reserves as well, on average 74 against uh, a league of grown men, really, which is impressive. Really solid.
0: Um, And he's got a little bit of composure about him, Jackson Mead as yeah. well, which yeah. is something that... I think uh, a lot of Ports players are just um, uh, very adaptive a um, lot of silky skills and that sort of X factor to them hmm. Jackson Mead's one of those players who can settle things down a little bit more I feel so that might be his niche that he can carve in the team mm-hmm. he's got a hamstring injury I believe at the moment he does yeah so he isn't going to start the year and he's going to have a delayed um, yep. uh, setback
1: and I think too the other thing with him is I I think he will play early once he's fit but I'm not necessarily sure how well he'll score early given some of their other guys running through the midfield in Rockcliffe, in uh, Ebert to some degree, yeah. Boak... Uh, you
0: Rosie, Butters, yeah. uh, dersma those young guys coming up so, through there.
1: I think he's a little bit of a stash and I think he'll really come into his own once some of those older inside mids um, start to retire he's, or transition he's out. He's
0: got a bit of a defensive game about him as well so you could hmm. see him off a half-back flank at some stage this year. Um, another guy uh, is uh, Buterick from um, from the Gold Coast. Look, he's got a lot of hype off of that first pre-season game realistically. Oh,
1: he looked good though. He really did look solid, didn't he? 65 points in the uh, first Marsh game that he played Uh, for me one of the big draw cards is his forward status Mm. having said that I genuinely don't know what position he plays at AFL whether he'll keep that I suspect he probably will
0: it was almost a a defensive wing position he sort of played during that game when I caught glimpses of it so it's yeah. it's tough to see where he'll settle in, or or if he'll get the opportunity to, because they just have so many youngsters. But like this is one of the reasons why he's an honourable mention. So yeah. he's got the he's he was, got a potential opportunity, but we don't think you should be rating him as highly as some yeah, of the others.
1: Probably that uncertainty is what really pushed him out of our list. Yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: uh, who else have we got there? We've got. Let's go, um, Jeremy,
1: Sharp. Yep, Jeremy um, Sharp. outside ball winner probably missed the top sixteen of our list just because. ...of that outside role and the fact he's at the Suns. Exactly. So if they can't win it on the inside and get it out to him, he's not going to score. And we know wingers can go missing during games. So mm-hmm. there's a little bit more risk associated with those roles. Having said that, he only played the second half of March 1 and scored 43. And oh, had, was... a, I think, three shots on goal. Mm-hmm. So he was a- he was he was able to win the ball and he knew where to go to get it. Yeah. So uh, he, I he, quite like him.
0: He had that healthy uh, points per minute as well. So per 120 minutes in the under-18 championships, he did average 100 yep. um, and 83 points average overall in that competition. So a fairly solid average there. Yeah. Um, but waffle experience as well, true, which is great. It is huge. And the other big thing for Sharp is they showed a lot of faith in him by trading up to get Sharp. So, Absolutely. Um, Gold Coast obviously rate him. Uh, they're not going to give away those picks if they didn't. So, mm-hmm. you should be able to see glimpses of him this year. But again, he's one of those stashable players. So yeah, I
1: think he's a longer term guy. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: yep, I wouldn't expect much this year. Absolutely. And the last one is uh, Will Day from the Hawks.
1: Yes, who I didn't have in my list at all. So, do you want to talk about it? No, you
0: didn't have him at all. So, he was taken 13 in the draft. So, he's... One of those defensive players that I rate because I feel that he's always going to have defensive status. And that's something incredibly valuable. So Mm -hmm. he's got the potential to score very healthily. So uh, when he was coming up through the... um, uh, the under-18 champs, he only averaged 80 points per 120 minutes um, with an overall of 66 average. But in the Sandfell under-18s, he really dominated. So he had an AFL fantasy average of 107 throughout that competition.
1: That is pretty impressive. That is
0: very solid. And the um, the Sandfell under-18s, um, look, obviously it's not the, the true Sandfell, but mm-hmm. they are very skillful players at that level. So, uh, look, I'm, yeah, a, yeah. I'm a big fan of what he can produce off of halfback. He's got a little bit of that, you know...
1: Third a, tall type... Yeah,
0: measure. a rebounding type defender. So I, I think that there's that solid role for him mm-hmm. going forward at Hawthorne. It's just whether or not he can take his spot. And the fact that he was taken at pick 13 as well shows that faith in the young kid. So hopefully he'll get a few glimpses this year. But again, stashable player.
1: Yeah, and, and for my two cents, I would like him. But I think this is probably about where he sits in my rankings. He didn't make my top 15... I think he's probably there or thereabouts, but the fact that he's going to be a longer-term stash, and as we'll cover shortly, we already have quite a few defenders in our list who I rank above him and would rate higher. Agreed. He sort of just slipped down my list a bit. Yep,
0: that's perfectly fine. All right, so shall we get into the actual list? Let's get into the countdown.
1: Let's do it. All
0: right, so at number... Well, tied, really, for number 15, Mm -hmm. so 15 and 16 combined, uh, we've got a tie between uh, Harry Schoenberg... And who's that? Finn McGuinness
1: Yes, so two midfielders mm-hmm.
0: So And uh, realistically, you were having a look at McGuinness Yes And I was having a look at Schoenberg So I'll let you get into a little de- few details on I, uh, like,
1: McGinnis. I don't know I think the reason that I would go McGuinness over Schoenberg Is probably Schoenberg It's tough, isn't it, down to this level? Yeah, they're, they're, they'd be ranked very close for me I, so, actually, what I'll do is I'll talk about Schoenberg and why I would rank him lower all in right. order to push <laughs> McGuinness up.
0: Just a little bit of a backhand <laughs> for the young kid, but all right.
1: Because I do, I do rate both of them very well. But Schoenberg, from my understanding, is a bit of an inside accumulator. Um, he's a strong body, um, and he can win his own ball. Mm-hmm. Looking at the Crows' team, you've got two crouches and a Sloan that he's got to get past before he gets decent midfield minutes. So, I think he's a longer-term stash uh, he may have higher upside, because he really got a lot of the ball at uh, the under-18 champs. And he's another guy who's played Sandville Reserves. But I think at the moment, I'm more interested in McGuinness, because I think he can deliver sooner.
0: Yeah, he can. And uh, the, as a father-son, they'll want to trot him out pretty Absolutely. early at Hawthorns. So. And he's
1: another inside ball, can win a lot of ball, has a fair bit of pace for an inside player as well, I understand. So... Um, he might give them a bit of a different element to what they've already got
0: in their midfield. Yeah, like you say, Schoenberg does play a very similar role to the the Crouchers and the Sloans of the world. Um, And they, they, like Atkins, that sort of player. Um, Mm. uh, Look, I I think he has something to offer with his leadership. There was an article that came out uh, just a couple of days ago, actually, saying that Matthew Nix was particularly impressed with the leadership that Schoenberg Mm. was showing as a first-year player. I think that's a, a big factor when it comes to getting your, your first game. Yep. Um, because if you can show that leadership, you can show that desire and that want to be in the mm. team, I think you can get in a little bit earlier. So, I look, I don't think he'll play particular, uh, particularly prominently this year.
1: No, I wouldn't think but, so. But
0: um, for a stashable league, for someone who averaged, what was that, 119 points per 120 minutes, that's incredible. 99 points overall in the under-18 oh, champs. Like, he he can
1: wreck it up like... Yeah, yeah, he
0: he, he's going to be a good kid. So it's just a matter of whether he can get games. So it's probably as Sloane starts to get a bit older and move out of those center bounces, yeah, he might be able to take some more as he gets sort of that more exposure.
1: Agreed. But um, I guess the other thing to bear in mind too is that they are trying to blood a few more young guys and run through there. So he may get exposed sooner than we expect. But as it stands at the moment, they took Chase Jones very early last year. Um, he'd be ahead of him because I think he probably has a bit more pace, um, and then um, yeah, McHenry and Brody Smith, yeah, Miller, and a few others a few- who can sort of add a different element in there. So
0: okay, so I, I probably I, I get where you're coming from, and I'll probably be happy to say, look, I'll rank, um, I'll rank McGinnis higher, so I'll rank McGuinness at 14. Um, sorry, that would be at 15, and then I'll put uh, Schoenberg at 16. Yep. So I'm happy with that. You've talked me into it. Well done. Should we talk
1: about McGuinness a little bit? Uh, Anything I mean, else you want to add to what I no, said? No, not
0: really. We we know it's the father-son factor that's going to get him a few early games. That'll give him a yeah. chance to show fantasy coaches what he's about. Yeah.
1: Inside ball, like I said, he bit get, of pace. He's got good endurance as mm-hmm. well. I think he might have actually won their time trial he, and he came, beat Isaac Smith.
0: He, if he didn't, he came very close because I do remember in articles along those yeah. lines. So it's all about... Whether or not he can get games early to show coaches what he's about, yep. and I think that he's got more of a chance to do that than Schoenberg, so yep. he's more valuable in a top-up draft this year. Yeah,
1: and I, I guess long-term, probably Schoenberg's got the higher ceiling,
0: but mm-hmm. Mc, McGuinness is going to be able to cement his spot in the team a bit earlier, which is yep. why I'm happy to rank him a bit higher. Yeah, right. so. We'll go to the next pick. So we've got 16 as McGuinness. We've got 15 as... Uh, sorry, other way around. 16 is Schoenberg, 15 as McGuinness. Yep. Uh, we actually had a tie again. 13-14. 13-14 <laughs> tie. So, uh, and someone I rated in this spot was uh, Liam Henry. And, and I
1: did not have him in my list at all. At all. And I had Bianco... And yeah. I don't think you had him in Didn't your have list at all. in my
0: list at all. So this is an interesting one to talk through as well now. <laughs> you want to lead for this one? I'll lead for this. I'll do exactly what you did. And I'll talk... <laughs> I'll say the negatives about Bianco because mm-hmm. I can't see a situation where Bianco gets more than one game this year. And Ooh. that one game would be through injury or through resting of someone because mm. Collingwood have a pretty flooded half-back line. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a possibility that Langdon might be coming back partway through the year as well to add to that list. Um, they've already got a stocked midfield. We know about their midfield. I just don't see where he gets game time this year, which means that even as a stashable player in drafts, so you could get him very low down in the top-up draft and stash him somewhere for a few years, mm. but you could as well do that off the waiver list, I think. I don't think there's going to be that much of an appetite for Trent Bianco this year. So mm, that is that is why I had him lower. Don't get me wrong, he did do very well. So, And, look, he fell down the draft order, which I didn't expect. I thought he would be yeah. taking a lot earlier than he did. I think it was 45. Um, he's, you know, he averaged pretty healthily. So, especially in the NAB League, he averaged 102 fantasy points, which is very, very good. good. Um, and if he is playing that halfback role, you are guaranteed that defensive status for at least a few years, mm-hmm. uh, which is another bonus, but again, it's just whether or not he plays in the next, you know, one to two to even three years regular games. I, I struggle to see it happen. Alrighty. So
1: do you want to talk? Especially
0: with Isaac Quayner last year, surely they're going to want to blood him and get more games into him. Right.
1: You want to talk Hen- talk up Henry now, or do you want yes. me to respond no, to no, the? No, uncode? no, no. I'll, t-
0: I'll talk up Henry because Henry is a gun. He's going to play if he's fit. So even though at first he's going to play in a small forward role. Probably not score you too many points. He's going to get AFL experience into him. And that's going to allow him to build into a more midfield role. He did play a lot of midfield minutes for WA in the under-18 comp. And when he did, he was fantastic. So he averaged 101 points per 120 minutes at the, uh, the NAV under-18 champs. And he averaged 109 fantasy points uh, in the Waffle Colts League as well. So he's got the ability to score when he gets run through the middle. He's... I I hate comparisons like this, (laughs) but this is the perfect example of it. He's Michael Walters 2.0, and we know when Michael Walters gets midfield time how well he scores. I know that for the next few years, Michael Walters is going to be taking those midfield minutes off of Liam Henry, but as Walters gets older, Henry will stick step- and they'll swap. Yeah, basically, it'll it'll just be like two to three years before that happens. I think. Right. Um, and I like having players who are playing regularly on my list. So I yeah, don't, okay. I don't like stashing players who just do not play at all for too long, because they're not giving you examples of what they can produce in an AFL squad. Mm, fair
1: enough. Um, all righty. Well, I'll talk Bianco first. And there's a couple of reasons why I had him in my list. Uh, One of them is that defensive status. I agree. I think he'll start in the team at halfback, and he'll probably hold defensive status for a couple of years because it will take him a long time to break into the midfield regularly. Uh, The second reason is the fact that he's gone to the pies. Yes, while it will take him a long time to break into the team, if and when he does... The Pies are, we know they're the most fantasy friendly team, and they have been for the best part of a decade, so why would we expect that to drop away in the next few years? Because they're so good fantasy wise, I think you might need to go a little bit early to actually get the next generation of guys going through. He's an elite kick. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't he the guy they said was the best kick in the draft?
0: One of the best kicks in the draft, and he was the guy, he was <laughs> cap, captain of uh, Vic Metro, I think, so yeah. ahead of guys like, you know, Raul, yeah. um, No Which
1: are exactly the sort of attributes you're going to want in a halfback flanker distributor. He may bring something to the team that they don't already have, which is that truly elite and classy distributor of halfback. The guys they've got, they can kick it long, they can rack it up, they can mark the ball off the top of my head, do they have an elite distributor of halfback?
0: Uh, look, it, it's tough to say because, you know, Crisp is more of a run and carry type player or a racking up possessions.
1: And a long kick. Qua- he kicks all the other boxes. Quayner
0: is absolutely a run and carry player out of yep. defence. Um, look, you've got other players like Jeremy Howe, who's an interceptor and third tall. You've got a couple of tall defenders down there. Mm-hmm. Um, Langdon possibly coming back into the side, who mm-hmm. is a good kick. Um, there's a few others running around mm-hmm. nearabouts as well, but so so
1: while I agree with you that I think it will take him a little while to break into the team, I'm potentially happy to hold him for a little while, depending on where my list is at. If I'm competing now, I'm probably less likely to do it, but if I'm in a bit of a rebuild, I may be happy to hold him for a while with the expectation he will eventually break in based on those attributes he brings, the rest of them don't. The fact that he'll be at Collingwood who will rack up points and he will eventually break into the midfield. Yep, okay. So, um, so that's why I had him in my list. Henry, um, while he will play early, and I probably agree what I've seen with the Michael Walters comparison, you wouldn't have touched Walters for the first five years of his career?
0: In a keeper league, I might have. Oh, no, no. In a keeper league, I might not have because Michael Walters didn't really do as much midfield work at under-18 level. He was a small forward, but... Mm. But we've seen Liam Henry do that at under-18 level, and we've seen the propensity for Fremantle to use that sort of style yeah. of player already, which gives me a little bit more of a, a boost in confidence. I, I think the
1: amount of time you're going to have to wait for Henry to get decent midfield minutes is probably not dissimilar to the amount of time you're going to have to wait for Bianco to break into the team.
0: See, that the the other thing is, I'm not sure Bianco's guaranteed to break into the team at all. He There's... You've got to keep in mind that not all of these players, not mm. all players drafted, break into the team at some point. True. And I think Bianco, unfortunately... Look, I, I could be incredibly wrong here. I loved the look of Bianco at underage mm. level, and hopefully he has an amazing AFL career going forward. But he was taken at pick 45. That's a long way to fall. That's not a fall like a Devin Robertson fall to pick 25. <coughs> That's a fall from someone I thought could go in the late teens or early 20s It's pick 45.
1: people who can kick like he can will always have a spot on a list, there's always, even if it's not necessarily at Collingwood.
0: Yeah, there's always that extra, um, you know, X factor for someone who has that level of kicking skill. You can't teach that. That's exactly. A, that's an ingrained ability. So, all right. So, you're sticking firm then with Yeah, Bianca? I am. All right. You're sticking firm. I'm sticking firm. I'm still sticking with Henry. All right.
1: So, they're a tie. So, they're
0: a tie. All right. So, we'll go with... Uh, all right. So, what's that a tie for? That's a tie for... 13 four. and 14. So we, we'll call that tie for 13. Yep. Yep. Uh, Nice and easy. All right. So, And just before we move on, you brought up something interesting there, which is knowing where your list is at. Yes. Now, this is a big thing for keeper coaches. So, obviously, every single year as you head into a new year, you've got to evaluate your list. When you're thinking about trades, when you're thinking about who you're going to take in your top-up drafts, you have to realize, just like any AFL club would have to do... Mm -hmm where your list is at.
1: So, so for me, this is the most exciting part of a yeah. keeper league is the list management aspect mm-hmm. and trying to build sustained success and not necessarily go for broke and give away everything for that chance you might win.
0: Exactly. But you've also got to realize that if you're in that window, if your team is full of those sort of you know guys in the prime of their career, maybe you've kept, on, kept a hold of them for a few years and you've built that team list up You've got a few defenders. Maybe you've got a few lucky DPP additions this year. Mm-hmm. If this is a year that you think you can realistically uh, make a charge for the Premiership, you can load up a little bit. You can get some of those more mature-age guys that, yes, they might only play for a couple more years, but they can push you towards success. Proven performers. Exactly. Whereas on the opposite side of the scale, if you think that your team is full of rookies, you, know, you don't really have as many high performers... You need to take a little bit of a look at that and say, right, I am rebuilding. Do I need some of these are some of these extra players who have that lucky DPP edition or who are that little bit older? Are they going to help me in the long term push towards a premiership?
1: I know in our home league we have the saying, if you can make finals, anything can happen. Mm-hmm. But realistically, you have to be very um, honest with yourself when you're, you're doing- self-assessing your team. And it might be good enough to make finals but do you genuinely feel it is good enough to win?
0: Exactly. And there's a couple of examples I can think about that, in particular with the lucky DPP editions, or not necessarily lucky, but uh, DPP editions that you just know aren't going to be accurate next year, so in 2021. So... For example, the two that come to mind are Hugh Greenwood yep. and Dan Houston Yes, this year. So, Dan Houston's a defender, Hugh Greenwood's a forward. I think that both of them mid-only. are going to be played in the middle. They're going to be right in the middle this year. Yep. So, next year, in 2021, they will be mid only. Yes, so much the, less value. The value is this year. If your team, if you realistically don't think that your team can compete and get that premiership, and you've got to be very realistic with yourself, don't... You know, tell yourself, "Oh, we've, I've got a, a few guys. Yeah, there's a lot of rookies, but they might come on this year. Who knows?" You've got to be. You've got to play hardball with your team. And you if you don't think you're going to compete, trade those players. Get Tra- ma- maximize the value. Exactly, trade them to players who genuinely have a chance at the top for this year, because you'll get value out of them. If you've got Dan Houston this year, yeah, don't get me wrong, he's going to be a great defender. He's gonna be a very solid midfielder going forward too. Yeah. But the value in the trade is this year. He's
1: he's D two this year. Mm-hmm. Everyone's expecting D two. Um potentially back end of D one yeah, if you've got be. a big league. Um, Twelve teams. But next year, what is he as a midfielder? M four, M five? At best, probably.
0: Mm. It's it's tough. And Hugh Greenwood as well. So he could up his average to about a ninety five or so which is stellar for a uh, a forward. He might even go higher than that, maybe Mm -hmm. towards 100. But as a midfielder, it's average at best. I don't think he'll bust into that premium sort of status. So when you're you're trying to get that premiership in a few years' time, or maybe next year, the year after, they're not going to be helping you. Trade them out now, get the value, get a few early picks, or maybe even some younger players who haven't proven themselves like... Um, oh, you know, maybe you can get a very high pick in your league and take some of these early draftees. Mm. Um, maybe you can get someone who didn't quite perform last year, mm. like Haitley, someone like that, yeah. plus an extra pick, plus something.
1: You, you might be able to get someone that's on the bubble that you think is about to have their breakout, yeah. but hasn't quite got there yet.
0: Yeah, so there's a lot of options out there. Just make sure to be realistic with your team list. Okay, yeah. that's something I can't stress enough to keep yeah. the league coaches out there. So, so
1: while we're doing this list... This is a general list, not really taking into account particularly where our lists are mm-hmm. in any particular league. Yeah, you're they're good. just so adjust it as you will depending on your team demographics. Yeah,
0: the size of your league, the uh, the amount of keepers you have, this all has to be taken into account when you're looking at people to take in the top up drafts. Cool, all right, um, nice all right. tangent. Yeah, <laughs> <We'll> keep going. <laughs> yeah, all right, we'll keep going. So uh, we just
1: oh, one actually one more thing before we move on. Yeah. So as well as ranking these guys one to sixteen plus the honourable mentions I also broke these down into tiers Mm -hmm. so the guys we've talked about so far Henry, Bianco, Schoenberg, McGuinness, Day, Meade, Buderich, Sharp. For me, they all probably sit in around about the same tier.
0: I'll chuck Liam Henry into that tier as well. I know you don't rank him in there, but I'll oh, chuck him Henry. into that same sort of thing. Oh, I did you? Henry. Apologies.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I've got them down as about tier four or so. So, yeah. for me, they probably all sit in a similar type tier.
0: No, I agree with that 100%. Okay, so that was the tie for 13 with Henry and with... Um, Uh, Bianco. Bianco, thank you. So we're going to head to 12 now. And ranked at 12, we both had this guy in our our list at different levels, but Trent Rivers from Melbourne. Yes. So this guy I rate really highly, and there Mm. might be a little bit of that WA bias in there.
1: Potentially for me as well.
0: Because he just looked absolute gold for a defender. So this guy is going to be... He's a defender mid at the moment. He should be a defender throughout his whole career. There's a lot of talk about, you know, he could move into the midfield. He could be anything.
1: He could. But he's at Melbourne. They probably Mm. have enough midfielders. For me, he is a perfect Hibbard replacement.
0: Classy distributor and good runner out of defense. Someone who can average very well. At the Waffle Colt level, he averaged 109 fantasy points, which is just stellar. Mm. And still, even his uh, sort of per 120 minutes... At the under-18 championships, it was a 92 per 120 minutes. Yeah. So, solid enough, With a and that was an average of 77 for his time on ground. So, look, so again, I put an extra premium on those players that you know are going to hold forward or defensive or rock status yep. moving forward because midfielders, there's so many of them and there's so many average midfielders... That you can't put too much value on someone who's going to play solely as a midfielder unless you believe that they're going to get themselves into that upper echelon.
1: Yep, agreed. Agree with everything you said. I don't think I can really add anything else to it, to be honest. No. Uh, Classy user. Mm -hmm. um, Wins a lot of the ball so he can accumulate it. I like his uh, position um, at Melbourne. I'm not sure he'll play a lot this year, but I think he'll come in as Hibbard slows down and leaves the team. He, and he probably will get a couple of games this year, yeah. so we can sort of see what he's got to show. But I think he's a uh, next year and the year after moving forward is really when he'll come into his own.
0: I love him as a stash. I really do. He's yeah. a, he's someone I highly rate, and he fits in at 12 on our countdown. So we'll go to the next one, which was 11. And this was a guy that, look, uh, he, it was tough to fit him in, but Sam Flanders mm. from Gold Coast. Old mate Ned. Old mate Ned. So, diddly diddly. Did, did you say diddly? Diddly diddly. Diddly diddly. <laughs> Oh, wait. Jesus Christ. Um, that's where the podcast has gone now. So we'll move past it. and look. Not bad Simpsons references. You're really bad. So you did not watch Simpsons growing up. You cannot make Simpsons references. <laughs> um, Sam Flanders, look, he's going to be a gun if he gets an opportunity in the right role. Um, yes. So we know what he did at underage level. Uh, we know how early Gold Coast took him because of that. I they mean, traded up to get him early. They really did. So it was 117 uh, per 120 minutes at the under 18 comp, um, Huge. and with a 97 average overall, he averaged 89 points in the uh, the Nap League, which is very solid. Um, and he has the opportunity, so he has the ability to go forward. So every once in a while, he may have that DPP status. It yeah. won't be throughout his whole career. <laughs> But every few years, I reckon he will have that DPP okay, He's going to be
1: one of those guys that will just be the gift that gives from a DPP perspective. Similar to um, Taylor Adams and Lucky Whitfield have just randomly had DPP every now <laughs> every, and again.
0: Every now and again. You know, your, your Dusty Martins, your Patrick Dangerfields. Fields. Yeah. Look, I don't think he'll necessarily get to I don't quite think he, those heights. I don't think he
1: necessarily plays like any of them no. either. But that same sort of... He's that wild card to get DPP. Exactly. A- um, and a really classy user and can obviously win the ball looking at those numbers. Strong
0: ball winner, and he's got a good mark overhead as well. I know they say that about almost every single player <laughs> who goes into the forward line at some stage, mm. but he does have the ability to take a strong contested mark, and that is a point of difference. Gold Coast, they've they, the trouble for me is they've got a lot of those mid-sized forwards. Yes. Uh, your Sextons, Lemons... <laughs> um, Obviously Rankin's coming in. He's more of a smaller forward. They've got Ainsworth. They've got um, uh, you know Ben King and Peter Ryder. Probably their two tall targets up yep. there.
1: Sam Day as well. Sam
0: Day. That there's a lot of forwards who are going to struggle for places, and they've got an overload of midfielders.
1: Yeah, I mean you look at their midfield. They've got Raoul Anderson this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they picked up Greenwood and Ellis in the trade period. Um, they've got Bose, who's run through there in the past. Fiorini, mm-hmm. Swallow.
0: Sharp on the other Sharp wing on the at other some wing. stage. Um, there's, there's a whole ton of, of Gold Coast players. Will that, Brody
1: who can't get a game. Yeah,
0: it's it's tough.
1: So for me, that's why he didn't make my list. Yep. Um, so he was really high on yours, wasn't on mine at all, which, to be fair, is probably uh, my bad. I'm probably a bit disrespectful <laughs> to the young guy. Um, but for me, it's that I'm not sure when he's breaking into the team and what role he's playing. Um, and until I see that, particularly with Gold Coast...
0: It's a tough cookie to read, like, Gold Coast.
1: Yeah, you don't know how they're going to line up. You're expecting that surely at some point they begin to bounce back a little bit and score more points, but it probably won't be this year or even next year. So I'm not sure how long I'm going to have to hold him to actually get return on investment.
0: In most teams, if they were, if it was a team that was performing very poorly at the bottom of the ladder and they had, you know, a a normal amount of draftees, you'll be jumping all over those draftees because you know they're going to get extra games. But they've just got so many of the draftees, goal guys. They've got so many of that young talent. I I just don't know when he gets an opportunity, if this year, maybe even next year.
1: And when he does get that opportunity, what's the role going to be? I think it probably will be on a half-forward flank to Mm -hmm. begin with which may or may not be conducive to good scoring
0: for him. We just don't know yet. So we'll we'll have to see what happens, but I think he's another one of those guys that you can put on your list (coughs) early enough and and see what he can do over the next year. Um, So that was pick 11. So Mm -hmm. uh, sitting in at pick 10, uh, and this is a guy we both had around about the same mark. That's Dylan Stevens from uh, from Sydney. So we have this guy... I, I think one of the reasons why I had this guy high is because he was drafted so high so he's rated by Sydney
1: yeah Sydney took him at pick five so they obviously really rate him mm-hmm. um, and there are a lot of other good guys still on the the um, on the board at that point like they took him before young Sarong, Henry who we've talked about Green, Flanders who we've just talked about mm-hmm. so they obviously really rated him and really liked what he could do. Um he's the guy who was likened a little bit to Gaff, isn't he? Yeah. So um, he, he little, can run and get a lot of it on the outside.
0: little little bit to Gaff. He's got he's got a lot of that breakaway pace as well. So it's it's something really cool to watch. Uh, the the reason why he slips down a little bit in this list for me and isn't ranked, you know towards the top five is because of the style that he plays. He's got a lot of that X factor, that pacey style, not always conducive to AFL fantasy scoring. It's more of a super coach thing, you know, yeah. right when you're running and carrying bounces, things like that. But he does; he has shown a bit of an ability to score at underage level. So that 103 points per 120 minutes is a solid effort. Yeah. And he averaged 85 across that as well. So, um, look... So, I've just noticed
1: in the prospectus who they've got him as plays like. Darcy Tucker. (laughs) Tucker. Why would you choose that as the best plays like? (laughs) Nobody's taking him if he plays like Darcy Tucker. So, he's going to fall down draft this
0: because he's the. Who wants to take. Actually, no. Darcy Tucker looks solid enough for top up drafts this year if he is available because he is a forward. So yeah, and but. he'll play because Fremantle don't have wingmen. Yeah, so. But <laughs> well, that's a big but over that. It's but so yeah, that is unfortunate for
1: one. So, Stevens, yeah, I, I agree. I think he'll take a little while to find his feet and start pumping out decent scores. Um, I, you, both of us actually have been on the Ollie Florent bandwagons pretty much since day one, mm-hmm. and it's only towards the back end of last year that he really started to reward that with some decent scores. Uh, still not probably startable in <laughs> a lot of leagues, not startable in but they're start- starting to show some signs. He's getting there, and he's that same type of outside player with a bit of pace and can use it well. Stevens, I, I haven't seen enough of him to know if he's a better user or not, but. I think the trajectory could be similar in that it takes him a little while to build those scores.
0: Yeah, I like it. So uh, it's, I think he's a good spot at ten because I, I I don't think he necessarily deserves a spot pushing up towards that top five, but he definitely has something to show. And because he'll play early this year, John Longmire's already basically said he's going to debut round one. Essentially, pretty much. Um, we we're really keen on him. Yeah. Um, so at pick nine. This Mm. is another guy that we've got big hopes for. Uh, Another Sydney guy as well. Another Sydney guy, Will Gould. Mm. So I like Gould. I really like Gould. I really like Gould. I I was
1: actually surprised when he slipped this low on my list. mm, Um, Pick nine. Because I think that's where I actually had him on my list.
0: Yeah, I think it was around about that Mm. point for me as well. It's just because the talent starts to get a lot more interesting past this sort of pick. Yeah. Um, So Will Gould, one of the reasons why I think he'll be a good pick is, again... He's going to be a defender for his entire career. Yes. There's no point... Like, I don't think he'll ever play as a forward, as a midfielder. No. He's going to be a stay-at-home defender. Yeah. And that's a that extra bit of value. He's going to
1: be an intercepting defender. He's got a booming kick. Mm. Uh, he's already built, like, the proverbial brick, shit house. Yeah, the brick shit house. <laughs> so he's ready to play now. He's a decent chance for an early season debut. I think they'll just put him in the back line, tell him to just play on his man, take set marks, kick it long... Um, And he'll grow into that role over time where he can really accumulate the ball
0: and drive them out of defence. He might not average super high this year uh, when he does get those early games. Agreed. Maybe even early next year. Yep, agreed. But again, he's someone that you need to keep on your list. Don't lose heart with him. So if you've got that stash spot, you know your last spot on your emergency uh, bench, Mm -hmm. he's a guy that you can put there because I think he's going to do incredibly well in the future. He's scored an... Okay, uh, at an okay rate at underage level. What was it? 98 points per 120 minutes at the uh, under 18 champs. Yep. Um, averaged 81 across that competition as well. Averaged 73 in the sandful proper.
1: Yeah, not the reserves, the actual sandful. That's for that's an 18 it. year old, mm-hmm. that's huge.
0: It is. I'm I very impressed by that. It's just mm-hmm. like Jeremy Sharp. He jumped up rankings a little bit because he played waffle football, not just waffle reserves or yep. waffle colts. Um, will Gould, look, I've just got big raps on this kid. Um, and the other thing is the plus three rule for playing on uh, out of the goal square. I think that's going to be something that benefits him. They're going to want Absolutely. him kicking
1: it. I don't know that he'll be the designated kicker a lot this year, but moving forward, I think he will be one of them. He's right. Sure.
0: Again, I just think he's he's that Shannon Hearn style play. Yeah, that's
1: who everyone likens him to. Mm-hmm. And granted, it's taken Hearn a little while to be really, really relevant as a fantasy guy but towards the last few years he's been really really
0: good at holding that defence up absolutely alright so that was Will Gould at pick 9 yeah. so we'll move on to the next one which was and 8 again yep. that
1: for me is probably the tier 3 I like it Gould, yeah. Stevens, Flanders, Rivers mm-hmm. happy with that? pretty so, happy so with that so that's that's the next tier and now we move into a yeah. tier 2 these guys are just that little bit more exciting and interesting Yeah.
0: so uh, tier 2 starts off with the number 2 pick from this year's draft, which mm. was Noah mm-hmm. Anderson. Now, this guy, he falls a little bit. It could
1: be controversial Controversial, how far he's fallen, um, but I think it's, for me, it's about his early career role.
0: Yes, yeah, and the fact that if he's playing early on in his career, up forward a fair bit more for Gold Coast, which I think he will do, considering mm-hmm. the, uh, the wealth of, um, or, the, or just the surplus of midfielders that they have, um, where does the... Um, Where does the extra ball come from? Where do the possessions come from in the Gold Coast forward line? It's going to be tough.
1: Incredibly classy player, um, and he can play really well as a forward. He's a really dangerous forward. So I think he will give them a little bit up forward.
0: Um, He's got that great outside game to, to uh, to his game style as well. So he's not just that solely inside midfielder. But that comes with the downside in fantasy football as well of being played in different areas. Yeah. So if you're an inside midfielder only, you know that if he's playing, he's going to be in and around the pill. If you are an outside player or someone that can play more in the forward line, that can be a bonus because you you might mm. get some more games based on that. But you might also be played in fantasy unfriendly roles.
1: Yeah, it could be a bit of a double-edged sword, that one. I think like you listed the number of... Medium type forwards that they've that Gold Coast have got. Mm-hmm. So I think Anderson, he slots in. I think he slots in reasonably well just because of that class. They have spent pick two on him. They they want to get oh, in he's, games. He's, he's part great of the future. Player. Um, but, yeah, I think there's just that little bit of uncertainty and the time it'll take him potentially to really hit his straps fantasy-wise, which is why he slipped this far down.
0: Agreed, yeah. So, again, <clears throat> he's, he's going to be a very good player, but it is a bit of a wait-and-see to see what his fantasy game is like at the Gold Coast. Um, all right, so we'll move on to pick seven from that, yes. and that is Lockie Ash from GWS. Yes, uh, the speedster. The speedster. So this guy, we know he's going to play early, I think if he... Um, uh, if he I think he's got a little bit of an injury um, in the um, preseason. Very,
1: I think very minor. Yeah, I would expect he It's not early. major.
0: But he's he's very well regarded by the, uh, the Giants. He was taken at pick four ahead of another young defender in Hayden Young who we're going yes. to get to a little so, bit later. So
1: GWS traded up to get higher in the draft so they could take this guy mm-hmm. ahead of bids coming in for Tom Green.
0: Yeah, and this was... a ploy to have a Heath Shaw replacement yes there's there's no question about that he is the perfect Heath Shaw replacement Um, look he's got the ability to score quite solidly as well that 98 average per 120 minutes Mm -hmm. at the under 18 comp uh, it was an average of 81 as well across that competition Um, and he averaged 96 fantasy points in the NAB Cup League to be
1: surprised I was actually surprised by how high those scores were because I've always heard that he's a get ball, run, kick ball. Mm -hmm. So, as amazing as that is and as exciting as it is to watch, that's one possession. Yeah. That's three points unless he got the ball from a kick and there's a plus six. But... He's more a quality over quantity. So I was quite pleased to see that at under 18 level, he was able to rack up the ball and add quantity as well.
0: It's one of those uh, situations where, yes, he is one of those run and carry players, but because he's so skillful, he's a good ball user, and he's a good runner, they want to get the ball in his hands at all times. So Mm -hmm. players are actively looking for this kid when they're thinking about kicking it out of defence, and that's a big thing. Um, for for fantasy players, so yes, um, he might not be a Dane Swan style, just hang around and you know loot around in the back fifty and get yep. cheap plus sixes. He's going to try and do something with it, but if he's always active and always they'll use getting, him. exactly, they'll use him. And
1: so I think, like we've said a couple of times, we think he plays early, but Walsh Heathshaw is still in the team. He's probably not getting enough games or enough minutes or enough ball to really make him a. Useful contributor for your team, which is why he would slide down a little bit on this list. Yeah, I think and you, for me, there is still that little uncertainty of how much ball he will actually win.
0: I think you need to take him this year in a top-up draft, unless you, unless you've got a very shallow league. Um, in deeper leagues, he's someone that needs to be stashed on a list somewhere yeah. because I don't think it's going to take him long to break out into a true uh, fantasy. And force. he
1: will be a commentator favorite, so yeah. there <laughs> will he will be a name. Yeah, people will go after
0: the name exactly. Um, So, Lockie Ash falls in at, what's that, number seven on our list? yep. Uh, We'll go to pick six next. And this is um, uh, one of my boys. I really rate this kid. (laughs) Caleb Sorong.
1: Yeah. As a Frio fan, I'm so excited to watch him play. You are going to be
0: pumped to watch Caleb Sorong play. He is going to be an absolute gun, a jet. Um, Look, there's not too much more I can say about him. His numbers at under-18 level were spectacular. Uh, it's crazy, isn't it, it? It is stupid. He averaged the most points per 120 minutes of any player in the draft this year, which was 136 per 120 minutes. 113 points were his average at the one. So, that was his actual average. That was his actual average at the under-18 championships, and he averaged dead on 100 in the, uh, the NAB Cup League.
1: Jeez, those are some good numbers.
0: It's ridiculous, those numbers. Yeah. So, he's shown that propensity to score. He... Played a little bit of a mix of a mid-forward role, yeah, but he scored well in that role.
1: Yeah, so as a midfielder, he's an inside midfielder. He's a bit of a ball. He likes to tackle. He wins his own ball. He goes forward, and he's got that power game. Mm -hmm. That X-factor can can just burst through packs, burst through tackles, kicks goals. Uh, He's only a center this year in AFL fantasy and ultimate footy but I would fully expect that for the next few years he will be a centre forward Mm -hmm. and you'll be able to have that DPP flexibility with him. And I think with Frio's midfield, they're going to blood him early and he's going to score, not spectacularly, but... Reasonably
0: well, he did very well in the uh, the first game on the weekend as well for Fremantle. So yeah, they the, played the, the intra club on yeah. Friday, and apparently he smashed it—one of the best on ground. Yeah, so he he's looking to get a, a debut quite early this year, and he's bumped up in draft lists a little bit. So he yeah. was probably lingering towards you know maybe the eighth, ninth, tenth spot um, earlier when when the draft happened. Mm. Uh, but for top up drafts, you're going to need to take him that little bit earlier, which is why he reached yep. uh, this spot in our yeah, list. Right.
1: And, and depending on how you rate some of the guys ahead, he could potentially creep one or two places higher.
0: Agreed. Yeah, potentially. Ab- absolutely. So, uh, Caleb Sorong, massive fan of that kid. Yep. So, we'll get into pick five now. This yes. is, um This is a WA boy. And again, well, <laughs> we, we've got a bit of a WA bias, but they did have a lot of good players at under-18 yeah, level last did. year. Uh, Luke Jackson comes in at number five yes. for us. This is a very, very interesting player. It's
1: not often we talk about a ruck on these podcasts. No. And to be honest, the fact he is a ruck is probably a big reason why he's this high on the list. Yes. Because it's not often that you can take a ruck in a top-up draft, who's a draftee, and have some sort of reasonable confidence he's actually going to be a decent fantasy player.
0: Agreed. And it's really tough to read on stats at under-18 level because occasionally they're played in different roles to what they'll get at AFL level. Um, Look, Luke Jackson, the only thing that I can really say about this guy is, again, what everyone else has been talking about, and that's likening him to a couple of players. And that's everyone's talking about Brody Grundy, they're talking about, you know, Tim English from a younger point of view, who we know is a ruck that's working towards being a, a fantasy gun. So yes. for for keeper coaches in particular, hopefully in the next, you know, one to two years that Tim English will be up towards that top echelon of ruckmen. Um, what, one of the reasons we like him so much is his ability to contest the ball when it's on the ground yep. he does get possessions he digs in he gets tackles Can Rack it up. And he <clears throat> Average very well so again 103 points per 120 minutes at the under 18 champs uh, he had 85 as his average across that competition and he averaged 98 in the waffle coats as well which is quite solid We've all
1: good averages for an underage Ruckman for a
0: Ruckman it's incredibly solid a
1: couple of other things He's at Melbourne, so he will be a slow burn because he will be behind Gorn and Proust in the um, the pecking order. Mm-hmm. However, Gorn is going to be an amazing mentor for him yep. to, for him to build his game and add that true ruck tap uh, skill set to his already incredible all-round game and athleticism. Uh, so while he may play some games early in his career, um, I... They probably won't score great. He didn't score particularly well in the Marsh 1 game on the weekend. No. Uh, but there was one moment where I saw him contest a center ruck bounce, and his leap
0: was incredible. And this is exactly what Rockman. when you're taking them early, and when you need to stash them, it's all about. You've got to watch those little contests. There's little moments where they show glimpses of what they can oh. do in four to five years.
1: He, it was incredible. He jumped, and I'm pretty sure his head was level with the other guy's hand, and then his hand was like half a meter higher than that it was very impressive
0: now a little uh, you've got to take this uh, slot with a grain of salt as well so if your uh, league is a one Ruckman league only then obviously you can slide Luke Jackson down a little bit you'll probably be able to get him off the wire wire in a couple of years maybe once you're unless you've got a very deep league a very deep league um uh, you would need to stash this kid early um yeah, I don't know. but if you've got a one rock league solely um, and you don't have a utility spot for a, you know a rock forward defense position then you probably don't need to focus as highly on Ruckman in top-up drafts. True, mm-hmm. um, unless someone falls through. I mean, in our uh, in the um, uh, the keeper league podcast, so friends of ours, uh, fellow podcasters, uh, we we do our, our keeper league um, with them, with uh, and some of the other podcasters around uh, mm-hmm. Australia, uh, some of the draft doctors, Warney as well. Um, now we uh, we had to supply our lists, um, and uh, I believe Keys is going through at the moment and ranking those um, keeps. Yep. And uh, we just realized that on the waiver wire, uh, because we cut off waiver pickups at the start of the season and we just had massive teams of, you know, 40, Mm -hmm. uh, Riley O'Brien is sitting there available on the waiver waiver list. So he's going to be I wonder who's
1: going number one pick.
0: Bloody hell. Um, Yeah, no, that's just ridiculous. So uh, again, you can pick up some some guys later on. Not that uh, situation (laughs) entirely. You're not getting Riley O'Brien. Yeah. But you can leave it a little bit later.
1: On the flip side, if you're in a two-ruck league, 100% you're taking him in the top-up. Massive value. And, I don't know, I would even consider, depending how, even if it's a one-ruck league, if it's a deep one-ruck league... If you're rebuilding, I'm probably taking him in the top-up anyway and stashing him.
0: If you own Max Gorn, take him somewhere early. That's a great idea because you can then handcuff the two together. If you own, a, say, a, a Ruckman, maybe like a a Goldstein who's probably only got two more yep. years. Um, Steph and Martin. Yeah, Steph Martin. Steph Martin, probably not. You need someone now for Steph Martin. I think yeah, he's really true. got this year left. Um, but maybe uh, Jared Witts is quite a bit younger, which is fine. Maybe like said if he's your number one ruck and you need Source to look Jacobs, at someone else. Maybe. Source Jacobs, those guys, you're going to need young ruckmen coming up. And realistically, most of the other good young ruckmen are, are almost middle-aged now. So yeah. you're, you're looking at your, your witzes, you're looking at O'Brien's, you know, not exactly young. Um, been around a while. And, and Marshall's probably one mm-hmm. of the young. Marshall and English are the two really young um, up-and-coming rockman at the moment. Mm. Um, so you need to look for that next generation, and Luke Jackson could be that next generation it's, of high-scoring rockmen. It's
1: rare that you can identify someone you, as a rock you think is going to be that next generation. Absolutely. Early. It's tough. And, I mean, there's always the chance that he'll be a bust, but from what we've seen, we'd be surprised. He, he does
0: look the good. So, alrighty.
1: So is that, that's pick number five. That's pick and five. And that's tier two. That, that's yeah. tier two done. Agreed. Anderson, Ash, Sarong, and Jackson.
0: So uh we'll move on to pick 4 and look <laughs> there's our third tie of yes. the list which was really tough. So uh now we had a tie for for pick 3 and 4 realistically. So we'll work through this try and get in order otherwise this will just be a tie for pick 3. Yep. So uh and this was between Tom Green mm-hmm. and Devin Robertson.
1: Yeah, I could <laughs> I could genuinely be swung either way on this one I think. They're both incredible ball winners inside yeah. mids. Strong.
0: They're in very similar team positions as well.
1: Yeah. And for me, that's the thing that slightly tipped it for Green over Robertson. See, which so is probably a surprising take, but I'll explain why. You go ahead. So, Green, he's an academy player. So, they matched the bid to bring him in early. I think he was uh, pick 10. If he wasn't an academy player, he probably would have gone top three or four. Realistically, he's that good. But, GWS lose midfielders every year. They are that stacked. They lose a couple every year. Um, Some of those are ones who are not getting enough games and they go elsewhere to get the games uh, such as Steel. Some of them are guns in their own right, but they just want greener pastures. They go somewhere else. The fact they have such a constant turnover of midfielders at GWS gives me faith that he's either going to get a go, a solid go, in the next couple of years, or he will go elsewhere to seek better opportunities. On the flip side, Robertson's in a similar position where he's coming in, it's a stacked midfield, but I haven't. It's. The way the Lions culture has built over the last few years, nobody's leaving, nobody's that old in that midfield, so I can see it taking him longer to break in, and from everything we've heard of the character of the
0: guy, I'm not convinced he's going to leave early for better opportunities either. Yeah, I can't see Devin Robertson leaving unless he was sort of forced out because he does have that... Uh, he's got that really high level of leadership, I think. he's He was the under-18s WA captain, led them yep. to the championship this year. He was yep. an absolutely but, stellar player. Which is player.
1: Not, to, not to say that that's meant to be a knock on green. No, no, not at all. But I can see GWS's midfield, he either gets a go or he goes elsewhere because... They let people go if they're not going to get a game.
0: Yes. Yeah. No. Does that make sense? No. It 100 percent makes sense. So um, I like the argument, but on the flip side, what I'm going to say is, look, if Tom Green doesn't leave because he is a Nab um, uh, Academy player, you know, he's a log- he's a GW yeah Academy he's a player. GW sorry GWS Academy yep. player. Thank you. Um, uh, and because he is from that area. Yeah. If GWS do manage to retain a lot of these players, it's going to be very, very hard for him to get a role where, and, and really anyone in that inside <laughs> GWS midfield to get a consistent I, yeah, role where they got score. the
1: big four. yeah, I'm in Cornelio, Whitfield, Kelly, and who am I missing? Uh,
0: Toronto. You're missing Taranto. The yeah. big
1: four. So anyone beyond that is going to get limited midfield minutes, but... GWS have already had their first two Academy picks leave and go elsewhere in stealing Kennedy. Mm-hmm. So I, while I get the argument that he's a local and he's a member of the air Academy, I don't think that's necessarily going to mean that they, he doesn't go elsewhere. No,
0: no, and, and I agree with you there. So look, the, the reason I put forward that Devin Robinson should be taken just that little bit higher is because... Brisbane, yes, while they do have a bit of a stacked midfield at the moment, Dane Zorko is not young. Lions is not particularly young either. True. Um, So, look, while Lions has got a little bit longer in the game for sure, realistically, the only true... um, you know, brute of a midfielder they have in there once those two go is Lockie Neal Jared Berry will be coming through mm-hmm. and will be an absolute say don't Barry. get me wrong no don't get me wrong but he'll take he's a not l- there yet no exactly and um, he'll probably take another couple of years before he is there um, we've also got uh, who else is there like Zach Bailey those sorts of players Cam Rayner might go through the middle and that sort of thing but um Look, I think that Devin Robertson has the ability to, over the next couple of years, cement himself as a great inside midfielder to replace the likes of a Zorko, to replace the likes mm. of a, um, a Lions.
1: I mean, realistically... Long term. There's a reason they're three and four on our list. Yes. Like, you're not going wrong with either one of them. Both of them are going to be guns. Um, Tom Green averaged 97 per 120 minutes at the under-18 champs and averaged a, a flat 80 as his actual average. Versus, I mean, Robert, Devin Robertson went
0: 132 per 120 minutes and okay. 110 as, her, as his average. Yeah, so, he was stupid good. He can rack up the ball like no one's business. Yeah. And Tom Green can do the same thing and probably tackles that a little bit harder than, yeah. um, than Devin Robertson. So he's going to get those few extra points from some hugs. Yep. But... I Look, I, I either
1: am, one of them you, you're
0: very happy to get and I am massive on the Devon Robertson train as well I <laughs> love this kid he is going to be an absolute gun And just oh I know his, <laughs> oh, just, I, I can't speak highly enough about him so uh, I don't think you're going to be able to sway me towards bringing him down to four because I had him ranked at three no that's fair enough I like
1: like him enough that I would be happy to take him at three so So, we'll put him at three alright so we're
0: having Devin Robertson at three Tom Green at four both guns and you can't really go wrong with either of them Uh, they're going to be fantastic Um, okay so we'll move on to pick two pick two pick two Uh, now this was a pretty obvious one for me and I think it was an obvious one for you as well yep and that was Hayden Young from Fremantle
1: we've talked about him a bit already Mm -hmm. this preseason in our podcasts. I just is. love the, the opportunity, the role, what he can bring. So he's at Frio. Um, he was their first pick at pick seven in the draft. He can intercept Mark. He's a great kick, great decision maker. Frio's back line is notoriously bad at exiting the 50. <laughs> it's <laughs> notoriously bad at a lot of things. So, <laughs> so <laughs> he's going to get games early. He does have a slight um, injury of some sort that means he's in the rehab group at the moment, but nobody seems to know what it is. Um, but you're taking him long-term anyway because I think he's going to be holding down one of those back positions. He's going to be a rebound option. They're going to look to get the ball in his hands because he's
0: going to be a rebound weapon. Um, I just And he's going to be a permanent defender his as, whole career. As soon as he's fit, he's playing in that squad. Um, when he's playing, even at the start, he should score healthily. Yes. He's probably still an emergency slot for you. I don't think he's going to be ready this year to play. No, on your I field, wouldn't think so. Unless your back line is terrible and you have a really deep draft league. <laughs> Um, but I, going forward, like you say, he's going to have that def- defensive position for the rest of his career. He's going to score well once he has the, uh, um, the ability to, um, he scored quite solidly at under 18 yeah, level as well.
1: 101 per 120 minutes, 83 is his average at under 18s and then mm-hmm. 85 as his, um, NAB league average which is pretty good for a defender. Very good which for a is pretty good. It's yeah. really good it's for a very defender. very good for a
0: defender. And he, will, I think he'll push towards those numbers maybe in his second, third year sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, That, that probably, sort of trying yeah. to push towards the late 70s maybe average. Um, this year, you're probably getting a low 60s at best. Uh, but that's yeah. what you get from first-year draft players in keeper leagues. You have to keep that in mind. There's only going to be a few guns who average incredibly highly. And speaking of that... Yeah. I, right,
1: one more thing before yeah. we go on. Um now the reason that we took Young over Green and Robertson, mm-hmm. probably purely that defensive status. Yeah, one yeah. hundred. So if you're set for defenders and young defenders, Green or Robertson easily slip him slip them ahead. Yeah, I like that.
0: Um so as we were talking about just before, speaking of those guys that are going to come in and dominate first year, number one pick, without a doubt, Matty Raul. Um, Easy. You, you need to take Matty Raul now. If you've got number one pick in a top-up draft, and unless and it's there's... A,
1: it's a deep top-up draft.
0: Well, and I mean, even in a... Uh, moderately. Even in a moderately shallow league, or moderately deep uh, mm. keeper league... You could I, definitely make the argument to take him at 100%, one. you could make the argument to take him a one. So, unless you're getting a, a real gun... Um, yeah. who, who you think can average very well over the next few years, uh, someone who was available in your uh, waiver list, you've got to take Matty Real, pick one. Yeah, He's going to dominate. hes I mean, we Did saw him on the weekend.
1: He is a little nugget, isn't he? He is
0: insane. He is playing in that centre square or oh, thereabouts yeah. uh, yeah. every game he's like fit
1: for. Everyone has been talking about how he's going to be Sam Walsh again. Yep. I don't think he scores as well as Walsh because mm. he's not in... As strong a team. Granted, Carlton isn't the strongest team. Um, Gold Coast is worse. Even then, I I don't. But he's going to score really well. Very strong. And he's going to be a prime mover in their midfield. And he's got the body to withstand the year.
0: Yeah, and he's got he's he's got that extra little bit of something about him. He's not solely just an inside player. He can he has that little bit of a dash out of a pack. He has that little, you know, nuggety ability to tackle hard and He laid some great tackles, tackles. yeah. He laid some great tackles on the weekend. Not many of his tackles, you know, slip and people get out of them, which is a a big thing.
1: So he scored 81 in that first Marsh game. That's... Not a bad first up hit out.
0: Fantastic. Um, And yes, I know, it's an under... uh, You know, it's the preseason game. It doesn't really matter. But there was a lot of good signs. Even so. And, uh, Mm. yeah... Another thing is Gold Coast didn't quite play its full midfield. You know, Swallow only played a a quarter and a half or so. Fiorini wasn't playing in that game. But, again, I I just think he gets lots of midfield minutes this year. He will be
1: a starting midfielder this year.
0: So, you absolutely have to take Matty round number one unless you're in a very, very shallow keeper league and there are a lot of decent or gun players available Even then, he's probably second round. Yeah,
1: end of first round.
0: Or at worst, because he's going to be a gun moving forward. If yeah. uh, it's it's just like there were people who would have missed out on Sam Walsh last year, yeah, and they would be kicking themselves this year because Sam Walsh is going to increase his average year on year, and he is going to be one of the midfield guns of the comp. He could be the best midfielder in a couple of years' time. Yeah. He could easily be that. So yeah, don't None. miss out on Matty Rao while you have the chance. <laughs> yes, and All that's right. our top fifteen. top 16, I should say. We had an extra one sneak in there.
1: All right. Do Um, you want to go
0: through the list for me, Matt?
1: Why not? So I'll go from 1 to 16. Yep. 1, we have Rao. 2, we have Young. 3, we have Robertson. 4, we have Green. And that, for us, is our Tier Mm 1. Those are the top tier guys. 5, we have Jackson. 6, we have Sorong. 7, Ash. 8, Anderson. And that is Tier 2. 9, we have Gould. 10, we have Dylan Stevens. 11, we have Ned Flanders. 12, we have Rivers. <laughs> did you mean to say Ned Flanders? I sure did. Okay, I
0: hope that was a slip of the tongue. T- no.
1: 12, we have Rivers, and that is Tier 3. Yep. Uh, 13, we have a tie between Henry and Bianco. And then at 15, we have McGuinness. At 16, we have Schoenberg. And then Honourable Mentions of Will Day, Mead, Buderick, and Sharp, and all of those last eight guys are Tier 4 for us.
0: No, this is, this has been such a great. I mean, I love ranking the rookies. I love ranking players heading into draft season for keeper leagues because, you, and you know, there's going That's to be some, There's going to be some surprises in oh, your yeah. draft as well. There's going to be guys who creep up. Um, just like the real AFL draft because there's going to be players that some coaches out there really have an eye on and they're going to take them a few picks earlier. So you might get a few bargains slipped to you as well in your drafts.
1: Yeah, uh, that's pretty much it for us.
0: Absolutely. Thanks so much, everyone, for joining us. We've had a ball doing this list with you and we're absolutely going to be back next year as well doing the same things with the 2020 crop of rookies. But moving forward, good luck with your Mm top-up drafts. I hope they go well for you. I hope you get a few bargains in there. And remember to take these rankings just with that little grain of salt because you've got to take into account how deep your draft is, what sort of players are available in the top-up draft. Yep. And you've just got to... Your
1: list demographics and how far you are off competing... Um, and these are just our opinions. <laughs> exactly. And, and if you
0: do have any questions, if you're trying to decide between a player, if you want to know a ranking between, you know, someone who might be available on your waiver list and one of these rookies, just shoot us a message on uh, on Twitter at ExtendedBenchAU. Yep. We're always happy to give you a bit of a hand.
1: Likewise, if you want to know our thoughts on someone we didn't discuss. Exactly. So long as they're not too far down the rankings, because <laughs> we may not know them.
0: Yeah, so uh, we're going to end the podcast there. Thanks again, everyone, for joining us. We'll be back next week. We're going to be covering uh, dra- uh, standard draft leagues, redraft, Oh, nice. We're going to be doing a bit of a mock draft as well uh, for the first few rounds at least and and sort of combining where we think players will go. So we'll, we'll do a bit of a mock draft between ourselves, combine those picks together and make one ranking similar to right, what right. we've done that today. That sounds
1: like one where I might actually need to do some research.
0: <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> because we're heading into draft season, Matt, and you need to be ready. Right. All right. Thanks again, everyone. We'll catch you next week. Catch you.